listening to Speaking with One Voice with Rodney Payne. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, topics you'd like discussed on the show, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please email us at rpayne at onevoiceinc.org. That's rpayne at onevoiceinc.org. You can also search for us on Acast, Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Just look for Speaking with One Voice. Now, here's your host, Rodney Payne. Hello and welcome to Speaking with One Voice. I am your host, Coach Rodney Payne. So glad you joined us again this week here on our podcast where we look to add value to you and your leadership team each and every week. Uh, I want to make sure that I say thank you. You all have been doing so good at supporting us in our new book release, Critical Decisions Made Easy. Thank you for buying that. We were able to make it to Amazon's best-selling list, so we appreciate that. Uh, you can still get the book on Amazon.com or at RodneyRPain.com. Also, I'd like to make sure that you're following us on all of our social media platforms at Rodney R. Payne, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, and of course, YouTube. We like you to turn your notifications on so you know exactly what's coming up that we have to add value to you. So uh, listen, I am so excited. I can't wait to get into today's uh, broadcast. Today is going to be an amazing day. I have a very, very special guest. I'll let him introduce himself in just a moment, but I'm going to tell you right now, just press pause, go get you a pen and paper, and so you can take some notes, then press play and continue listening because this is going to make a difference in your life today. You will grow as a leader today. That is my commitment to you. So it gives me great pleasure to present on today uh, Fleet Master Chief Retired Raymond Kemp. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure, pleasure to be here with you. Oh, man, I, I, I'm so excited. I cannot wait to, to get through this process. Uh, we're going to spend some time together today. And and to, to our audience, just know that we're talking about 33 years of military experience, uh, plus a plethora of other experiences that will add value to you. And so you want to lean in. And so uh, let's hop right into this thing. I want to make the most of our time today. So Raymond, just do me a favor. Um, introduce yourself to the team. Kind of where did you come from and, and kind of what are you doing now? Sure. So uh, again, they, you know, I, let me start by telling you something. They they call me the Honorable Raymond D. Kemp Sr. Uh, as most recently, if I start at the end, uh, most recently I was named by President Biden to the American Battle Monuments Commission as a commissioner. So uh, I travel roughly three times, four times a year uh, speaking on his behalf at various different cemeteries and monuments uh, around uh, the world. And perhaps at the end of the the kind of the segment here will get a chance to talk about uh, some of what that means with regard to travel. Uh, but I'm a young man still uh, born of a, of a wonderful woman uh, in the uh, great nation of Texas, but I was raised in Oklahoma. So my mother's family is from uh, El Reno, Oklahoma, uh, and between El Reno and Oklahoma City, uh, it's where I spent the preponderance of my childhood growing up. That's where I got my foundation from. That's where I got my love for life, my zest, my perspective on the fact that I could win at everything I put my hands on as long as I was focused and had my priorities straight. That all came from Oklahoma. Uh, as I departed at 17, I was departing from Oklahoma City, where I just graduated from Millwood High School, uh, class of 86, uh, with a tremendous uh, expectation of success. I joined the world's finest Navy at 17 years old. Uh, and as you mentioned, spent 33 years 
uh, doing that. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, started, uh, as the poet once said, I guess it was back in 2013, he said, I started from the bottom, now I'm here. Well, I started <laughs> from the bottom at E1, uh, rose to the uh, highest enlisted rank, which is E9, um, several steps on the way there. But when I ultimately uh, completed my service, I was the senior of four, only four fleet master chiefs, my, where my responsibility was Navy Europe uh, and Navy Africa. Uh, challenging times, I'm sure we'll get into it, but it was uh, it was it was an honorable uh, service uh, and something that I'm very, very glad uh, that I chose to do. Wow. So I have to, I have to get it right. I have to say it correctly. The honorable Damon <laughs> D. Kemp Sr. I have to say that I have to get I have to say that I, I'm excited about that that title that that's when you know you've arrived when you get a whole different designation from <laughs> right. some person named the president of the United States. That's a different kind of designation. But but what I'm going to yeah. ask you to do, man, if you could just, you mentioned your mom and you're growing up. Yeah. I, I want you to yeah. go back and kind of pick out some of the things that were foundational in your development that you perhaps still carry with you to this very day. Sure, absolutely. So uh, again, born to a single mom, I had seven aunts, uh, an amazing, amazing, uh, six aunts, sorry, amazing grandmother. Uh, and one of the things that that stuck up, stuck out to me, two things I'll just talk about shortly, briefly. Uh, my grandmother told me one time as we were pulling out of my aunt's uh, driveway in El Reno, um, as I had noticed, there was, uh, she was backing out and she came against this bush and there were some leaves um, that had, you know, attached in that crease in the uh, rear view mirror. And it was interesting to me that she didn't do anything about that. I mean, it was kind of unnerving to me, but it was only like three really small leaves. And I told her, I was like, Grandma, there's some, there's some leaves on the rear view mirror. You should probably get those off. And I'm probably 10 years old or so. And she looked at me, she looked back at her rearview mirror. She said, you know, I didn't even see those. There's something about you. You know, you pay attention to detail. And she went to kind of walk the dog on maybe three or four things that I had noticed that other people had noticed uh, in a recent time frame. Uh, and that planted a seed for me. Uh, I, I bring up that I had uh, uh, six aunts. Uh, my mom, let me tell you what, they were some fierce angels. Now, born in the 60s, raised in the 70s. I grew up in an era where that look on their face when you were talking in church, that look on your on their face uh, when you were running around, you know, with your friends outside, maybe doing some things, saying some things, acting some kind of way that you shouldn't be. I, I grew up in that time frame where when folks came outside and they took a look at you, that that meant something. Uh, it wasn't just a gaze. Uh, it was an expectation. It was a conversation just in the look. And my mother who uh, she passed away in 1992. My mother was um, just brilliant. Uh, I was constantly reminded that she was a valedictorian. I was constantly reminded that she slept with books under her pillows. Uh, and so her expectation of me is that I would be as brilliant as she was. Though my I have a what they call a neurodivergence, you know, I have ADHD. And so my learning pattern, not the same as hers, but the expectation was, that I was able to hold my own in the classroom. And that didn't necessarily work out the way that she thought uh, that it should. And so I had some really strict left and right lateral limits. But what I wanted to get to is that there was an occasion uh, as I was on my way to school, I went to uh, St. John's, um, John's Elementary School, uh, Episcopal School over on the west side of the city, uh, not too far from, uh, it used to be an old Target over there off of May Avenue and Independence. but. Um, 
that's where I went to school. And I remember going on my way to school and, you know, taking the report card back that wasn't necessarily the A's and B's that she wanted to see on it, but her telling me, you are as smart as anybody in this school, even though I was the only black person on the campus, not a teacher, not a, a, uh, a plumbing staff, not certainly not uh, any of the uh, other students, certainly not, you know, the priest and those who were responsible, not the mailman, nobody, man, just me. He said, you are as smart as anybody here and you should walk that out. And I expect that you will. Uh, wow. And what that meant to me is that wow. even though my grades may not reflect it, I'm still as good as anybody here. And those two things, those seeds right there grew into the Redwood Forest for me. So when I joined the Navy, I, I knew when I walked into the world, I knew that um, one, I had the keen ability to assess things in a different way than most people would, and that I had the intellectual power uh, and agility to figure it out as well as anybody else there. Wow. So we're talking about mastering uh, the path to leadership. We're talking with the Honorable Raymond D. Kemp Sr. And we have been going just a few moments. I feel it necessary to recap the leadership lessons that we've learned so far in just a few moments. You might want to press pause after so you can write these down. Uh, vision was identified in you, Raymond, at 10 years old. Someone yeah. said you see things differently than others see them. Um, disciplines were established. Because you had a history of discipline in your family, we're going to read books. We got to hide them under our pillow. We're going to read them. Um, then um, your disabilities were disallowed. You were diagnosed, but you don't get to have. I'm sorry, we don't get to have that. I mean, I know there's a diagnosis there, and you learning patterns, and that's fine. But that you don't get to use that for a reason not to learn or grow. Um, then you were not only were your disabilities disallowed, you were declared smart. Right, you're as smart as anybody here. You were as smart as anybody here. And then the last one I got is that you, you, you were, your, your value was predetermined. Now, this is as a 10-year-old boy. And, and you and I are born in the same era. We are in the same, born in the 60s, raised in the 70s. Right. And so my story is I would be in the church, in the back of the church, sitting down, playing like I'm not supposed to be. And my mother would be in the choir stand. She'd look out from the choir stand and look at me. And I, I would straighten up when she looked. And then when I thought she looked away, I'd go back to playing. Well, when I look back up, she'd be gone. Mm. Well, as she was gone, now my heart begins to beat and twice as fast way. as it was. And she comes and she retrieves me. And, and the faithful deacons at the loving St. James Baptist Church would say something like this. Get him. That'll teach him. Get him. <laughs> and so I, I had a cheering squad, a firing squad. I'm going. And so we learned in that way. But when you look at these, if we take these five principles, these five concepts, and you can own them for yourself and decide that you want to see and pay attention to what others don't pay attention to, that you want to adhere to specific disciplines for you. Uh, don't allow yourself to be disabled in any way. Uh, right. Declare yourself smart and value yourself. This is a foundation for growth. And we're talking about, we're learning your leadership program. We're talking about this path to leadership that we can identify and quantify it at, at 10 years of age when really all you're thinking about is going and, and, and playing some ball or or chasing some or playing tag or throwing rocks. And we didn't have, we didn't have video games. I, I know you didn't have video games. I, I know true, what man. you had to play with, because I had the same thing. Uh, yeah. You know, we would, can you imagine what a person can do as a leader if they're able to have that type of foundation? Mm. And that, that's what we're looking at. So um, I, I'm going to skip some years. I want, let, let's get to a 17 year old, 
uh, Millwood Falcon High School graduate deciding I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go to the world's best. I heard you, the world's best Navy. I heard. <laughs> I, I heard. <laughs> uh, what what makes you decide that you want to uh, go and 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 do this thing Navy? I, I get service, sure. but help help me out. I want to understand that. Sure. Well, it turns out that that. It, at some point, again, when we were growing up, uh, perhaps you heard like me that stress was a bad thing. Uh, for me, I got that information through the show 60 Minutes, and they were talking about the stress that people would bring home, especially in the Black community, so on and so forth. And so I thought to myself, well, I don't want that, you know, but I'd wake up in the mornings on in the summertime at my aunt's house, and all my aunts would go on off to work. And at some point, my grandmother had gone back to work, um, and my uncle would be there with us. Boy, going outside and pick up them twigs up underneath that tree and bring me some baby carrots in from the garden. Nigga, man, we just woke up. What is going on? And I found out that he had been in the military. I found out that he was retired. He was still getting a check. I was like, this military thing, that's what I want to do because I don't want any stress. I want to just be able to sit out here on the front porch and tell you kids what to do. Um, didn't realize that the journey uh, was far greater than what I could imagine as a young man. So when the recruiters came up to the wood, then I took the test. Uh, I did well uh, on the uh, the vocational aptitude exam. Uh, it's armed services vocational aptitude exam. They probably still call it the ASVAB. And they gave me an option. They said, well, you can, you know, we'd like you to go into the nuclear program. And all we knew in the 80s about nuclear power was Three Mile Island and all the horrific things that were happening. So I quickly turned away from that and I became um, what we now know as a combat communicators, a data processing technician. But the reason that I left was I had good grades uh, at school. Um, even back then, you know, the Wood was putting out, you know, primetime athletes who were getting college scholarships. I just didn't like school. And so I said, I want to leave. And the Navy recruiter was the most uh, aggressive. And that's the one I went with. And thank goodness I did. I ended up serving with Air Force, with armies, lots of time um, with the Marines. And there's no other place I'd rather be than walking on water. Wow. So so it, it, the truth comes out. The Honorable Raymond D. Kemp Sr. really just wanted to retire early and tell the kids, go give me some baby carrots. Look, <laughs> that's so true. Look, because the strategy, I retire at 37. And yeah. it was a different era back then. So my thought was I, re I retire at 37. I come back home to wherever that may have been. I'm sitting on the front porch smoking weed. Uh, telling kids what to do now. Smoking weed is not a big deal anymore, but that was my initial you know, wow. strategy. You know, make it to the mid-level E5, which was the junior point that you could retire um, and then go from there. But you, you highlighted it very clearly. The expectation for me was that I do my level best at everything that I did. That means a lifestyle of education, a lifestyle of fitness, because I want to have a glorious golden years and then treat people with dignity and respect very differently than the way I was treated when I first joined the Navy. Wow. And so you're, you're, you expected that with your 20 years, you could get to about five, get to five and you'd be, that'd be about where we get. And we correct. So, okay. So now let's go. You're, you're young. You're in the military. You're beginning this this life, um, and the world is wide open for you. Uh, when well, when you first leave home, right? Yeah. And you go to your basic training and do all those things you do initially. Yeah. What was it like when you first got away from home and you realized that you're not in Oklahoma City anymore? <laughs> yeah. First of all, it was it was a my first plane ride of my life uh, was on my way to basic training on my way to boot camp. Wow. And uh, so that was 
not very frightening because I, I had an expectation uh, to be victorious. And so I couldn't show any fear that was outside of my nature. So as we're flying and we get up in the air and no big deal, and I happen to have a window seat, but again, this is going to be a reflection of the era. We flew over and there were probably 20 of us from Oklahoma City that were joining the, the Navy at the time. We flew over the Grand Canyon and the pilot banked to the starboard side and to the, to the right side and to the left side, to the port side. So everybody would have a chance to see it. Mind blowing. And so I'm kind of lifted up. I've seen one of these wonders of the world. We land in San Diego and brother, it was nothing like the Grand Canyon. The, the, the company commanders, uh, yeah. others yeah. would call them drill instructors, were going ham burger when we got off that plane and got our, you know, collected our luggage. And it was get your feet in those footprints. And it was the chaos that people see in some of the older uh, military movies. Absolutely true. That first night, barely slept at all. The next morning, four, uh, the next morning, maybe 3, 30, 4 o'clock, they come in with the trash cans, beating on them, making all this racket, scaring most folks, including me, you know, to lock our bodies up at attention at the end of where we had been sleeping. And it was, that's when the chaos began. But wow. I'll tell you. In, in the midst of all of that, again, because my left and right lateral limits growing up, right? I tell you, you know, my neurodivergence was just what it was a superpower. I didn't realize it at the time, but there were some very tight restrictions on how I lived at home. And so all of that noise wasn't necessarily uh, too much. Uh, it didn't create too much fear for me, but the unknown of what would happen next, uh, that brought a that brought a little bit of nervousness to me. Um, so, so, so staying within the boundaries wasn't difficult for you but not knowing what was coming next. That's what, that's for you. So sure. Because, you know, what happens is that, and, and I've, I have learned, you know, through my, you know, my, my own life and through leadership is that when you give folks those left, right, lateral limits, you give them the parameters within which they have that they're able to uh, work. Um, when they understand those limits, there's nothing that says anything about going up. So they can go to the left and right and not really worry about it. Um, and that structure for some of us, me included, is comforting. When I know, okay, here's the maximum distance here. Here's the maximum distance there. And you can do whatever you want in between. Oh, come on. You give me a football field and I can run as fast as I want, hit as hard as I want, throw as far as I want, kick as far as I can. Then I win on that football field. Same thing in life. When I have those, um, and it's not just me, but people like me, I'll say it that way, have those left and right lateral limits, then that's when they can be the best. And that's what happened for me. Wow. Listen, you're listening to Speaking With One Voice. I am your host, the coach, Rodney Payne. We're talking to the Honorable Raymond D. Kemp Sr. I love saying that. Uh, <laughs> and we're talking about his childhood. And then we, we've made it as far as now I'm in the, I'm, I'm in the Navy now. I'm in the yeah. Navy. And so we're beginning this process. So let's talk about when the Navy went from, uh, was there a transition of sorts when you went from I'm in the Navy to, I, I'm, I'm going to be in a career, but wait a minute, I, this can be more than what I, this can be more than what I thought it could have been. I, you, you right. discovered the the up doesn't have a limit. You when you figure that what, right. what happened there? It, well, so for me, uh, I ended up going to my first ship, and and again, I don't, I don't want to color it wrongly, so I'm just going to give you a little a little bit of background, a little uh, texture, if I may. So made it through boot camp. You know, four days in, they said anyone here you know want to be what we call a squad leader. I put my hand up, and they were like, "Hey, man, the Navy stands for never again volunteer yourself. You better put your hand down." I'm like, "Well, I, I'm a leader. I mean, I played football growing up, ran track. I was a team captain. Leading is what I do. I'm, my hand is up." Uh, and so from four days into the Navy to the end of my career, I was in charge of somebody else. 
well, leave boot camp, go to trade school, graduate from the top of trade school, arrive at my first ship. When I arrived there, I, I saw the first time I'd ever seen in person uh, a master chief, an E-9. And he was the one responsible as an aircraft carrier. And in those days, we only had men on him. He was the one responsible for sending people to their workplaces. I was supposed to go as an automated data processing technician to the computer room. And what he decided for all folks who were my complexion that showed up, he, in fact, he, when I walked into the office, if I may, he said, the um, he had my record leaned out in front of him. Uh, I walked in, just set the scene. I walked in on the left hand side, on my left, his right, there was the uh, what is it that uh, Auburn and cream, you know, flag of the Texas Longhorns over his other shoulder was the stars and bars of the Confederacy. But again, born in Texas, raised in Oklahoma, that meant nothing to me. So I roll in, he's got my record there, I see it, and he says, You think you're pretty smart, huh, boy? And I was like, Well, I got. In my head, I'm mean, looking right at my record. You know, I'm the top of the class. Clearly, I am. Um, but I was like, I'm okay. And he said, Well, I don't allow this in the computer room. So you will be going down here to work with these guys who are painting and painting, chipping paint and laying tile. And I, and I said, oh, Okay. In my head, I'm thinking, 1986, man. We, Martin Luther King's birthday is a holiday now. Haven't you heard? Are we still talking like that? But whatever. If that's what you do, I'm not scared of it. Um, just let me know where the power is so I can get my hands on it and take this thing over. And so, so I went to this division where um, all the other Blacks had been sent, and I saw an E5, which I mentioned before is my goal. I saw an E5 that was Black, the first time I'd ever seen one, but I also saw an E6 that was Black. I was like, man, if they can do it, I know I can do it. So so, so what happened is where he thought that meant was going to be from my bad, that actually turned out to be for my good because now I see that it can be done. And now I realize there is no ceiling. If they can do it, I can do it. So I know I'm going to make it there. And then wow. that's just, that's where the grind, that's where the self-discipline paid off. That's where the grind paid off. That's where the the willingness to go above and beyond. That's when staying, keeping my eyes on the prize started, began to pay off at a very, very early stage in my career. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast as we interviewed the Honorable Raymond D. Kemp Sr. I'm sorry we're out of time, so tune in next week for part two of this amazing interview. You've been listening to Speaking with One Voice. Please remember to follow Rodney Payne on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Rodney R. Payne. We'd love to hear from you and get your feedback, so please feel free to leave us comments. And if you would, rate and subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate that as well. Don't forget to set up for notifications so you can get the latest updates and social media posts and get new podcasts when they're released. As always, use the hashtag speaking with one voice or simply SWOV on any of your social media posts. On behalf of Rodney Payne, thanks again for listening to Speaking with One Voice.